And this is, uh, this is a, a day where uh, every year I try to dedicate to helping people understand what our church is all about in a big picture way. And uh, so we call it Taste Fest. And it, it came out of the scripture from Psalms that says, Taste and see that God is good. And um, if you've ever had a bad taste in your mouth, anybody? Anybody ever swallow the wrong thing? You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I got to get it out. I got to get it out, right? You can flush it out. Um, anybody ever, ever uh, have uh, an experience where something that you all, I used the example of Brussels sprouts the other day, right? You always thought it was disgusting. And, uh, and then somebody prepared them just right, and you thought, wow, those aren't disgusting. Those are what? Amazing. You know the, you know the best... The best, you want to know where the best Brussels sprouts in all of Metro Detroit are? I can tell you. I know these things now. From never having eaten, you know where the best ones are? Huh? Roast, downtown Detroit, right? In the book Cadillac. Yes, that's where you need to go. I'm just telling you. And uh, get your Brussels sprouts on down there, all right? Now, here, here's, here's what I want to talk about today in the, in the message. Because sometimes... If you have a bad experience or you've tasted something and it's really bad, you never want to go there again. You never want to try it again. And it takes somebody very persuasive to say, no, you're going to like this. Try this. And uh, so that was my experience with the Brussels sprouts. But um, I think for a lot of people, it's their experience with, and there's so many, these words are so loaded, religion, church, God, Jesus. Christian school, Catholic school, whatever school. Anybody with me so far? And then all these images come to mind. I, I never, I'm, I'm not bashing anybody particular. Well, all I'm trying to say is I get story after story after story. And people will say, oh, oh, it was just, you know. And, and then I read, I read, I read, I read about Jesus. Have you ever read about him? Have you ever read him? Matthew, Mark, you know, you know where it's at, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, you read about Jesus and it's completely, get this, completely different from all these stories and experiences that get shared with me. Jesus is always the other guy. He's the guy that's fighting for the underdog. He's the guy that's making the exception to the rule rather than throwing the rule book at you. He's always the other guy in the story. He's the guy that's promoting love. He's the guy that's confronting constantly the, the bad-tasting religion. So um, I did a whole series on it this summer. I'm not going to wade into it, but I want to read a story. It's in Matthew, and... If you've never read Jesus, all I'm trying to say is give him a crack. Just for, try for a minute to block out the soggy Brussels sprouts for a minute and just try to weed it away and just try to go freshly at what was Jesus about? What in the world was he doing? Um, this is Matthew 9. Uh, I'm reading from a paraphrase called the Message Bible, which I love and recommend to people all the time um, because I think it, it uh, brings it fresher. And speaking of, what I want to help us think about today is how Jesus brought something fresh. Fresh. What's key, speaking of food and tasting, what's key to a great meal, a great ingredients. Isn't it that it is what? 
fresh, right? And now the big movement in, in, in our society now is, is called farm to, farm to table. So you need to get out a little bit more. Farm to table, right? And so it doesn't need to go here and get shipped across the country and get processed and chemicalized, but farm to table, farm to table. That's the new thing. Because why? Fresh is best. Fresh is best. By the way, um, I know that here, but I, the cheap side, anybody have a cheap side to them? The cheap side of me, like when I look at those things in the fridge and it has these dates on them, I'm always like, ah, that's fine. Anybody ever done this before? It's fine. That's just a conspiracy, right? They're just trying to, anybody with me, right? How many have ever done it with the milk before? Anybody? Get the, Huh? Huh? Get the raisin bran out, right? Oh, I can't wait for this. This is going to be so good. I got nothing else in the house to eat. Nothing. But I got raisin bran. It comes out a little chunky. Anybody have a little? Anybody? You know, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, now stay with me. Stay with me. How many of you did it? Put your hand up. A couple of you. Like, I'm hungry. Right. Look. Fresh is best. Everybody stay with me. One, two, three. Fresh is? Fresh is best. So Jesus comes, and here's how I want you to think of Jesus, as bringing something unbelievably fresh to something that had become unbelievably stale. It had gotten stale. It had gotten stomach-churning stale. A couple of you just got a little sick when I told my story. And what Jesus entered into was a little bit tough to stomach. Matthew 9, passing along, Jesus saw a man working, collecting taxes. His name was Matthew. There's a lot in that phrase itself. Tax collectors were deplorable human beings by most standards. They were swindlers. They were connivers. They were cheats. They, they, were, they were leeches on society. They were slimy in every sense of the Bernie Madoff word. You tax collector, it was like, that guy's filthy. He's just robbing people. He's just, everything that you would talk bad about in the atrium, that's this guy. How many are with me? No, no one talks bad in the atrium. Okay, you know, wherever you do it, all right. That's this guy. Jesus says to him, come along with me. Matthew, from his tax collecting booth, stands up and follows Jesus. Later, Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house. So I guess they just met. I guess... When they met, Matthew saw something compelling in this Jesus figure, maybe in, in the way that he talked. Maybe he had heard about it. Maybe he had seen him before. Uh, maybe Matthew was fed up with his life. Let me tell you something. A lot of people that are in that way of living aren't happy on the inside, even if they can smile like heck on the outside. You may know what I'm talking about. If you're cheating people and swindling people and, all, and you're, it, it, you can act like you're enjoying it, but deep down you're probably not. I don't know, but somehow he said yes and started following Jesus. And 
<laughs> Evidently, Jesus said, follow me to your house. <laughs> because that night, they get to Matthew's house. I think they just struck it up. Can you imagine Jesus just striking it up with some guy, some Bernie Madoff? What would Jesus and Bernie Madoff say to each other? Some of you were like, I know what happened. And God would just strangle him and just choke him out, right? Maybe. Or maybe they would just talk about, how'd you end up doing this stuff? Tell me about your history. I don't know. I don't know what Jesus and Matthew said to I don't know. But I know they ended up at Matthew's house. And maybe Matthew was so enthralled, so happy to just find someone that, that he seemed like to warmly accept him, even though he was, knew he was unacceptable, and even though maybe he didn't even like himself. But this guy seemed to like him that he threw a party at his house. Later, Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers. So Jesus says, I'll bring my friends. You bring what? Your friends. So whatever disciples at that point Jesus had, they come. And a lot of, as it says here, disreputable characters. (laughs) Huh? What kind of friends did Matthew have? I wasn't the church crowd. Right? It, it, was, it was Shadyville. They get together, and then you have, it says, when the Pharisees saw him, who are the Pharisees? Pharisees would have been the, 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 not just the religious, but the religious elite, the hardcore, the very serious, those that read the, their scriptures and felt that if we all just did all of this stuff right, that we were going to be, um, God was going to jump on our side. And, and then they were always just trying, their thing was trying to get everybody in line. That was the Pharisees. They saw him keeping this kind of company. They had a fit. <laughs> and they lit into Jesus' followers. Now watch this. What kind of example is this from your teacher? What kind of example is he setting? Acting cozy with crooks and riffraff. So the Pharisees come and they talk to Jesus' friends. Maybe they're out in the courtyard. Maybe Jesus is in the other room. And he says, what what kind of example is he setting by being around these crooks and riffraff? Jesus, overhearing them, shot back. Who needs a doctor? The healthy or the what? Sick. And then you got to just think this Jesus just had a little he had a little fight in him. I know some of you think he's like, "Oh, I'll just roll over." But I think he had a little fight in him. How many are with me? I think he had hootspah. Because he says, go and figure out what this scripture means. I mean, that's a dig. That's a jab. There's no other way to say it. Go figure out what this scripture means. Why? The Pharisees are on the outside looking in, talking to the disciples, Jesus' friends, saying, what's going on? Why is he a part of this? And Jesus says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It is the what? Sick. Who needs the doctor? Sick. Well, if, if these people are all sick, then and if I'm the doctor, where should I be? 
right in the middle of it. And then he just throws a barb, a jab at him. Go learn this scripture. Go figure this one out. Why was that a jab? Because these guys were the experts in the scripture. Jesus was saying, you think you know it, you think you have it mastered, but you don't even understand what it's really about. There are all kinds of people, friends, let me be nice and kind here, but there's all kinds of people that can quote scripture like nobody's business. They can go wham, 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 and this verse and that verse and tell you where it is, and they don't know what it means. They can quote it, but they don't know what it means. And so Jesus says, go figure what this one means. I'm after mercy, not religion. He's quoting a scripture from the Old Testament, from their scriptures. I'm after mercy, not religion. Let's say it together. I'm after mercy, not... Well, and and I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I'm here to invite the outsiders, not coddle the insiders. What was Jesus doing? He was bringing something completely fresh, completely new, completely different, and their system, ready? Their system couldn't handle it. And so he tells this story. Right after that, he tells this story. He says, um, it's like this. He said, maybe the best way to think of it is this. You don't put new wine into old wineskins. So what they would do is, here's how it would work. You would have, if you, if you had wine, you would get a, a fresh wineskin. It was made out of animal hide. And you would pour some wine in it. And then it, as it would ferment and, and release these gases, um, because the wineskin was new and the wine was new, it could expand and stretch with the wine as it aged. But after a skin had stretched... It had already done its stretching. Then you want to refill it and say, I want to reuse this and put some new wine in it. Now this new wine is going to, what, expand. And what would happen? The wineskin would, would burst. You would lose the wine and the wineskin. Everybody knew that. And what he was saying is, your container is already stretched. I'm here to give you a new container. I'm going to give you something brand new. How many have a big Tupperware drawer in your house? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Is it, is it disastrous, ma'am? You're, I mean, as soon as I said Tupperware, people start bubbling over. I mean, why? I mean, I don't know. They got us. Somehow there's some conspiracy and they got us. There's 8 million lids. Why don't we just have a big Tupperware party next week and we'll all bring it in and try to find one or two matching things and you can go home. Who would join me? I just need, why do you see two sets that match? My mom came over. She's like, you're getting rid of all of that. You're getting rid of all of it. She, my mom's like, yeah, she got the system. You're going to go get those round things from Gordon's Foods, and they got one size and one top, and they all stack. That's what you're going to do. I didn't do it, but I'm going to. I'm thinking of <laughs> Tupperware. Anybody ever, have you done this? I mean, you got to have it in a container. If you're going to save something, you got to have it in a container, right? And so the container, um, the container, it, it was old, and it couldn't handle this. This is what Jesus was saying. Your container can't handle my message. Your container can't handle my message. There are a lot of people, and their container is their mind. Their container is their heart. 
Their container is sometimes their religious upbringing. And some of it is wonderful. Trust me, it's so good. There's so much that's good about it. But there's a part of it that it can't handle what Jesus was teaching, what he was showing. What was it about? Now, this is so important. Did Jesus, here, this is so important. Did Jesus want Matthew to stay the way he was? No, I don't think so. Read any of Jesus, the way he taught about people that used money to abuse other people. And, and no, I don't think at all Jesus wanted Matthew to stay doing what he was doing. And neither did these religious people. They both wanted Matthew to change. The difference was how they thought they were going to get him to change. The old system said, here's what you do. Here are the tools you use to change people. You use guilt. You use shame. You use exclusion. Anybody familiar with any of these? You use threat. You use fear. This is how. You let them know God's going to strike them. You let them know you're not a part of our family. You let them know you're not welcome in our house. You let them know all this stuff. That's going to make them change. And Jesus had a, He too wanted Matthew to change. I have no doubt about that. In fact, he becomes one of the 12, what? Disciples. I think he did change. And we know from the scripture that Jesus never put him in charge of the money. <laughs> Just FYI. Keep the beer and the alcoholics over here, right? Like keep thinking. I mean, they just think he didn't. So what was it about? Jesus said, I want him to change too. Hope you get this. I'm not going to use guilt and shame and fear. I'm going to use love and relationship. I'm going to go to his house and have dinner. I'm going to go to his house and have dinner. I'm going to love him. I'm going to change people using the method of love. I think a lot of people in Jesus' day couldn't do it. They couldn't get there. But what Jesus wanted to do was, of course he wanted to make, Matthew wasn't, he wasn't a healthy person for society. He wasn't a healthy person for himself. But Jesus saw he needed to change and had a way of getting him there that was different and it didn't fit this was fresh. This was new. This was different. And people, it, it started, it started the, the, the very beginning of, of the perfect storm that collided against Jesus that eventually brought him to his crucifixion was because the religious community said, no, that's not the way people change. You have to exclude them. You have to shame them. What does that stuff do to people? It makes them hide. It makes them run. It makes them fake. It makes them pretend, but it doesn't bring change. How do we change when we can be open? We can be who we are. We can be broken and vulnerable, and then God can change us. Think about this. Jesus brought a brand new commandment, a fresh one. They had some old ones, but Jesus, when he taught the Sermon on the Mount, you remember him saying over and over again, you've heard it said this way, 
but I say this. You've heard it taught like this, but I say this. You've always heard this. And I'm, how many times have you guys, if you've been to Orchard Grove for a while, you've heard me say, I know you grew up believing this. Say it politely, try to do humbly, but I'm telling you, why? Because Jesus brought fresh ideas, fresh, and one, one time, it's down, and Jesus is, at the Last Supper, it's the scene, and Jesus gets down, and he's washing Peter's feet. And this is all completely new stuff. It's all completely new. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new commandment, a new one. So they had like 613, but you had the big 10, you know, the big 10, right? And Jesus goes, I'm just going to give you a new one. Ready? A new commandment I give to you. As I have loved you, please you, what? Love one another. Let's say it together. So you must love one another. And then he said this. And all the world will know that you are my disciples by your, what? Love. How should people know that others are a follower of Christ, a disciple? One mark out of the lips of Jesus himself. One word. What? Love. Like, oh man, that person, that person's, that person's loving. So the commandments and the way that Jesus shifted us was away from all of these things. Friends, you don't even know the 613 commandments. You don't even kind of know them. Let's, let's get that out on the table right now. I bet a hundred dollars that five out of 10 of you couldn't name the 10 commandments. I know I insulted you. I know. In other words, we're not following. We don't even know what they are. But what Jesus did was he brought something simpler, something better, something new. And he says, here's the thing. The way that I've loved you, you love one another. Now listen, love is, is, is in some ways very easy and it's in some ways very difficult. Love, what you do is you have to, in every situation, you just evaluate this situation and say, hmm, what's the loving thing to do now? Let's say it together. What's the loving thing to do now? So many times I get to people and go, what does the Bible say about this? As if they're going to look it up in the index. It doesn't have one. It doesn't have one. It's not an index. It's a story. But they want to go, oh, I'm going to look it up. And then, what is the, they always come what is the, in other words, I'm going to find this rule. I'm going to find this commandment. I'm going to find this thing. And then I'm going to know the right thing to do. But here, let me tell you the right thing to do. Ask yourself this question. What's the loving thing to do right now? That's the right thing. Uh, this happened, that happened. I found this verse. I, someone told me about this Bible verse. Everybody ready? That's why they call it the Old Covenant. Read Hebrews. Read Hebrews. Read it. It says, all that stuff is obsolete. One, two, three. Obsolete. Oh, you didn't say it with gusto. One, two, three. Obsolete. Yeah, you give me a Bible verse. And you go, oh, that's obsolete. Anybody got an obsolete cell phone? I want everyone to raise your hand who has at least, at least one obsolete cell phone in a drawer somewhere in your house right now. Put your hand up. Look around. Why are you saving that? Why? Because I don't know. Someday I'm going to learn how to take all the parts out and make a news. Why? Everybody answer the question. Why? Everybody has an obsolete cell phone. You're not going to use it. 
Throw it away, donate it, do something with it. I have three. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, what? Because that's all obsolete. Hebrews, read it. But people will always pull up these obsolete cell phone verses and go, well, yeah, but did you see this? And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. Jesus told me one commandment. This way, I see who I'm following. Who are you following? Who are you following? He told me one commandment. New one. Easy one and hard one. Very easy and very hard. Why? Because sometimes the loving thing is very hard to do. It's sometimes easy to do the religious thing. It's sometimes easy to find some little Bible verse and just get all high and mighty and do your thing. But, oh, oh wait, I want to read another verse. Okay. All right, well, let's do that verse. All right. So they must be wanting me to get done. Okay, here we go. Ephesians 4. This has to do with, this has to do with getting rid of everything old. This has to do with cleaning out your closet. We should do that too. We'll do Tupperware, cell phones. What else? Clothes and how many got some stuff you need to get rid of? How many are like, uh huh? How many? Are, uh, come on, like you're a mild pack rat. You're a mild because you don't want to call yourself a hoarder. You're a mild pack rat. <laughs> come on, yes you are. Mm, mm. I got, I have uh, when when I was I would go to my grandpa's house when I was a kid. We'd go play catch in the backyard. My grandpa used to love play uh, baseball and softball. And, he, you know, my grandpa, I mean, depression, right? I mean, he, the mitts had like two fingers in them. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody else do this at your grandpa? They had two, I mean, like, Grandpa, how they're, does anybody know what I'm talking about? They're like, they barely fit over your hand. And they're like two fingers, like if you stick these together, and then there's a thumb thing. This is great, Grandpa. You know what I mean? And you're like, no, 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 no. So, we don't use those anymore. Those are what? Obsolete. are obsolete. I have one. I had to keep one. I have one in my house. Not for playing baseball, for showing people. Some of our old religion thing, we need to just use it to show people. It's great. It's beautiful. It brings warm fuzzies to our hearts. It's true. Man, a beautiful religious tradition can do something for your warm fuzzy. But sometimes it's obsolete. Jesus just said, That's, that stuff's old. You've got to get rid of it. The ways of thinking are old. You've got to get rid of them. And he brought something new. It was so fresh. So fresh. All these restaurants now, they're popping up. What, what's it all about? What's the theme everywhere? It's fresh. It's fresh. Because if you don't eat something fresh, not only does it taste bad, that's why people have a bad taste in their mouth. But sometimes it's dangerous. Sometimes you can eat something and it's so bad, it's dangerous. Can I say politely, humbly, some of the religion that people are eating out there is just dangerous. Follow the fresh. Follow the message. Actually read Jesus. See what he said and what he taught and where he brought us and what he, was, what he was urging us to. And you will find, he said, I have something new for you. All right, let's read the scripture then from Ephesians. He goes, get rid of it, all the old stuff. 
and take on a new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the, this is very important, from the what? Everybody say one, two, three, inside. What's the new life that God gives you? It's inside, it's inside, it's inside. What's religion? It's outside, it's outside. Do this, do that, conform, do this. Jesus goes, I'm going to put something new on the inside. How, I wonder when Matthew actually got in. You know what I think? I think he was in from the minute he stepped up from his booth. Because I think the minute he stepped up from that booth, I think he was changed here. It probably took a long time for it to get on the outside. How many are with me? A lot of our changing has, it takes time. And he says, change renewed from the inside, working itself out to the conduct. Out to the conduct. Where does religion always start? Starts with uh, what? Conduct. That's why religion and that type of stuff, it's great for little kids. And, you know, because you want them to what? Obey. Do this. We're not talking about, we're not discussing. But you get older, you're like, yeah, but I got some questions and... It gets to your conduct. As God reproduces his character in you, it's like a a cell that multiplies. It's like God putting himself in you, and you're starting from the inside out to become the person that God is always intended for you to be. You want to know the end of the story? You're Matthew, and so am I. You got your own tax collecting booth. We all have our own stuff that God is changing us from that to someone else. And so the best way to sum it up is this. When people, it says, when common people heard Jesus, they flocked to him. Why? Why? Because he was fresh. His message was fresh. And people said, I've never heard anything like that before. That's unbelievable. That's so dead. That's not what anybody's saying. Jesus brought something that was fresh. And it brought something different and new. And so my hope and prayer today is this. When you find Christ, you find something fresh. Something life-giving, something healthy, right? And something, can I say it, delicious. Now, um, Jesus said, I came to give you life in its most abundant form. So he came. Life in its most abundant form. And so I believe when you taste this, it's going to be good, good, good. All right? Let's